Um, and I think the other thing is not just giving them data about their spending behavior. So here's how much you spent on coffee shops last month, or here's how much you spent on utilities. It's about how to turn those insights into actions. How can they save better? How can they spend more smartly? And so using all that data to drive better insights and actions um, well, I think strengthen the relationship between the consumer and the financial institution. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. We frequently talk about the reliance of banks on their tech providers for new products. This interaction becomes more complex for community banks, which frequently lack the deeper pockets of bigger competitors. But their size and physical presence within communities can be a competitive advantage. We discuss the community banker's secret weapon with my guest today on the podcast, Finastra Steve Hoke. He's the Vice President of Product Management for Consumer and Small Business Lending. We talk about how community banks are weathering the increase in competition among national banks and digital lenders, and how that's impacting their marketing. Borrower acquisition is changing, and some community banks have found productive partnerships with fintech firms. Steve Hoke is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, Zach. Uh, my name is Steve Hoke. I am the Vice President of Product Management for Finastra. I have about uh, 25 years in the financial services industry, kind of across all the verticals, be it banking, investments, or insurance. At Finastra, I'm responsible for the product management, engineering, and QA teams that deliver our mortgage bot, servicing director, and commercial loan origination system called CreditQuest. Interesting. So, so let's let's. I'm wearing my hat of, of community banker. Um, you know, we read a lot about fintech. We write a lot about fintech on Tearsheet. Like, what is what? What advantage do community bankers have with with a physical presence over uh, over say a fintech that has has no like physical footprint? Yeah, I really uh, love this topic, and I think it's one that's not often talked about enough. I think the physical presence is still really important um, for two reasons. One, it gives you uh, your customers obviously uh, an avenue to have support and outreach with them, be regardless of whatever product they have and banking relationship they have. But I think the other side of it is still that there's value in the physical presence for customer acquisition and growth as well. When you look at some of the online competitors, they're looking to uh, expand offline because the market for borrowers or banking relationships is finite online. And I think that the footprint and the physical geography of, of uh, the offline users is, is attempting for digital uh, fintechs to, to move offline. So having that physical presence really is about outreach and growth for customers. And it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Like the fact is everyone thinks that growth is online, but if you're thinking about like how to, how to leverage Google, which is intention-based, people have to be looking for some type of lend, lending product, right? But offline, it just seems like there's, there's sort of a discovery process that doesn't exist online. Yeah, so I'll give you a great example. Um, lending Club, a classic kind of online lender, only lender. Um, I participated in a marketplace lending conference and Lending Club talked about their customer outreach and their largest source of leads are credit pre-screen letters, good old fashioned credit pre-screen letters that they're sending out to Same users mail, at right? their home. Yeah, yep, exactly right. Exactly right. And so I think what happens is that there's some name recognition with the fintechs. They get to a certain scale. They get the, the growth out of the online um, customer base outreach. But then they hit a ceiling, and in order to continue the growth momentum, they have to turn to other channels, and that's where that physical presence uh, comes into play. So I, I make that one point real outside the fintech space. Look at Warby Parker, for instance, the glasses manufacturer, or online sales, uh, excuse me, a provider of glasses. 
started out singularly online, but now they're opening stores all over the East Coast and the Midwest. We have Warby Parker stores because they need that reach with clients. That's so interesting. So, so let, can we drill down a little bit more on sort of that community bank, where they fit in? So we talk about sort of their, their physical versus virtual presence. Where do they fit in sort of the spectrum of um, competition now? We see, we see the nationals coming in and, and kind of taking market share, at least gunning for local market share. Uh, and then you got the fintechs are coming in online. Where, where, where do community banks find themselves amongst you know this this competitive landscape? Well, I think they're largely well positioned uh, to compete. Um, they have a formula that they're building from. It's just a matter of leveraging that platform. So they've got uh, the local presence. They've got a lot of you know branch established name recognition. Um, they have a really broad product set. So they've got all the deposit accounts, lending products. Um, oftentimes they have investment products, uh, maybe not directly their own, but through affiliate relationships. So they have a very uh, broad product footprint. Um, they've got great uh, customer uh, support you know, tools. So you can walk in, you can email, you can call. Think about that support experience versus the online only experience or the very large bank institution you have two very different ends of the spectrum. The online experience, trying to get customer support, who knows how to call someone or get someone to help you. Oftentimes an email goes into a black box or the very large national banks, you know, the, the support model can be uh, a convoluted set of phone calls to a number of different geographies and very complicated where the traditional community bank, the person that you're talking to may be the same person that you visit in a branch. So they've got a really great foundation to build from. I think it's just a matter of rounding out their portfolio set with some technology to help keep them competitive in that side of what today's consumer demands from their, from their um, financial relationships. And I guess specifically what technology do you, do you see them most, um, I guess, reach out to you guys in terms of being able to, 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 to grow and stay competitive? It's a good question. I think that if you look at the evolution of, of what uh, the average consumer is looking at from uh, their technology needs, it's evolved quite a bit. So early on, it was to be able to log in, see your checking and savings account and get information about how you're spending your money. But I think, you know, as the industry continues to evolve, and I mean the broader technology industry continues to evolve, it's, it's influencing customers' expectations. And so that th means things like conversational banking, so maybe interacting um, with their bank over an Alexa or Google Assistant. Um, and I think the other thing is not just giving them data about their spending behavior, so here's how much you spent on coffee shops last month or here's how much you spent on utilities. It's about how to turn those insights into actions. How can they save better? How can they spend more smartly? And so using all that data to drive better insights and actions um, well, I think strengthen the relationship between the consumer and the financial institution. That makes a lot of sense. So we've talked about sort of the physical presence. We've talked about the tech, technolo technology tools that they have. What about marketing? How are community banks going after acquiring new businesses, uh, new new customers? Excuse me. Yeah, that's a that's really something that I think a lot about. And I think if there's probably one challenge um, keeping up with the national institutions, it's on the marketing front. The classic example that I always give is is Quicken Loans Rocket Mortgage product. You can't turn on a sporting event um, or some large national event without seeing an ad for Quicken Loans Rocket Mortgage product. When you look at the technology that Rocket Mortgage has, we as a fintech are able to provide that and more to our clients. So they've got a great technology platform to, to operate from and, and a great experience they can deliver to their borrowers through our technology. But what, they're, what Quicken Loans has been so successful doing is branding that 
application experience and spending a lot of money getting mindshare around that. And I think that's going to be a challenge for, for local banks is to, um, they can't obviously match a large national institution like that dollar for dollar. So I think it's really important for them to think about how to be creative with their marketing dollars, how to be um, as um, intelligent with their spend as they can be looking for those uh, opportunities to really get to a borrower at the point where that borrower is thinking about uh, a transaction so that they're using their dollars really wisely. So we've definitely seen competition increase, um, you know, at the deposit level in terms of making aggressive offers um, at the interest rate level. Um, how, how else has borrower acquisition evolved uh, for community banks as you've seen it in the industry? Yeah, I think that that's a, an interesting topic. And I think, you know, the, those kind of short-term spend to acquire customers can only take you so far and only last so long. And then you, and then, and then they really have to be able to turn those into profitable customers. And I think that's what, excuse me, banks and community banks have um, a a great foundation to build from is that they've got a, a rich customer base and they can afford to, to be smart about how they acquire customers without giving away the farm, if you will. From an evolution standpoint, I think that we see our clients doing more around um, targeted marketing. So not just pre-screens with letters, but trying to do pre-screens with um, online advertising, social media inserts, and really being thoughtful about how they use social media. So treating Instagram and Facebook and Twitter differently as different channels to communicate with folks, but trying to be more sophisticated with, with the data that they have to market to those folks. And likewise, mining the data that they do have so that um, as somebody is applying for a loan, can they add another account relationship um, or as, as they're you know, doing the onboarding process, can they cross sell them other product based on data that they have? So I think data is driving a lot of behavior around the customer acquisition side. That's a really good point. And, and do community banks have that sort of skill competency in-house? I guess, how have their teams evolved from, from your vantage point um, to be able to keep up with sort of that? that level of, of marketing expertise in, in the digital side? Yeah, I think, um, I think it depends uh, a lot on the institution, what they value and what their, what their, what their customer base values. There are certainly some very sophisticated digital marketing uh, institutions, even on the small side, uh, in, and they're successful with their spend on, in that regard. But there are others who, a lot of credit unions who may not have a very sophisticated user base, doesn't demand and warrant the same kind of level of sophistication in their marketing or the digital marketing. Um, they have other ways to draw based on their field of membership. So it really, I think, uh, varies by, say, geography or by the typical kind of profile of their customer base or their field of membership that drives how much do they lean into digital marketing. And I guess uh, the other side of that coin, and in, in, in given where you are in sort of the ecosystem, how have borrowers evolved over time? Are, are they are they more sophisticated? I mean, are they come? Do they come to the, these community banks uh, with more knowledge in hand? Um, read, you know, sort of further down their customer journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think that today's borrowers are able, you know, with a quick search to be able to get a sense of what a good interest rate is. And let's face it, that drives a lot of the decision making for for a borrower. Um, You know, one, do they have the confidence that they're going to get approved based on their own personal credit situation? And then two, what is the interest rate that they're going to get on that loan product? And, you know, when you look across consumer loans or mortgages or personal loans, that there's very transparent pricing in the market. It's not hard to go and see what the, you know, the lenders, uh, top 10 lenders in the area are charging for those products. 
So they definitely know when they're getting a good deal or when they're not getting a good deal. And so that, that changes um, how our, in, our clients lend. Um, and it also changes the process around it. If they have to be competitive on rate, they really have to have an efficient process behind the loan origination cycle to make sure that they can do that as efficiently and cost effectively as possible because of that pressure on the margin. Interesting. And um, I just want to go back to uh, some of the competition discussion we had earlier. Um, where does fintech, pl fintech play in sort of this role? Because you know, obviously it could be competitive, it could be collaborative. Um, you know, sitting in, in the community bank seat, like, how do they view sort of how that's playing out? Well, I think that they take a critical eye towards it. So I think there are some people, some in, uh, some fintechs who are truly pure just competitors, um, and you know they're fighting for the same consumer, uh, same transaction, be it a deposit account or a loan account. But I think that they also there are a lot of fintechs who are trying to help institutions leverage their data or create better user experiences where they can you know fold those pieces together to have a really compelling solution uh, for the you know consumer experience whether it's a deposit account or a loan transaction so it's really all over the map and and even further complicated you have some some fintechs who started out as competitors realized that it was hard to scale their business and so they've turned to selling their technology behind their solution to banks and credit unions so it, it really is still the wild west in terms of who's a who's a competitor, who's a uh, provider, and and who's a friendly fintech in in the mix. So it, it's an interesting time right now. So so can you tell the audience um, from financial's point of view the what is your product portfolio? How do you how do you help community banks reach reach their borrowers? Yeah, um, I'd be happy to. So within Finastra, we have a whole line of business that is um, geared specifically toward the community market space. So all our product orientation, all, all the staff in that are, are singularly focused on serving uh, community banks and credit unions uh, in the U.S., and that's our North American community markets business. From there, we have a very broad product portfolio that um, really covers all the key put for, uh, footprints with consumer banking. So we have our core banking system, your traditional core system. We have uh, a really compelling new uh, product in the Finastra family. We acquired a company called Malazai about a, about a year ago that really gives us a, a really um, strong digital banking capability, uh, market leading capability in that regard. Then we have uh, our our lending platform, so we can help our clients with all the different loan verticals, be that consumer banking, mortgage lending, or commercial lending that a lot of our community bank clients do. And I guess in the remaining time we have, I'm interested to hear you, you personally. Um, how has product management uh, evolved uh, over over your career and, and the different companies you've been in in the space? Um, I guess from a skill set skill set point of view, sort of the role that product management plays in sort of today's financial technology industry. I'm just curious. Yeah, it's it's definitely changed a lot, and I've I've been doing product management for a number of years, and it's definitely on the software side has evolved a lot, even just over the last five years. Our our ultimately, you know, we want to have make sure we have a. A, a user-centric design experience. And so we're always thinking about who is a persona that we're designing for. And when we're helping our clients design a solution for their customer, the end user, the customer out in the market, whether that's a, you know, a deposit account or a loan relationship, those folks have such um, different technology expectations and their expectations evolve so much faster than they did even just five years ago. 
um, the prevalence of smartphones, the prevalence of uh, ambient technology like Alexa or Google is really changing the customer expectation and they want to see us moving quickly to embrace these things. So um, we have to create uh, simpler, easier customer experiences. We have to make those experiences accessible through a number of different channels. And even for um, our client persona, the bank or credit union employee, um, we have to change how we design the technology as well so that we can make sure we're um, making that process easy as they onboard new uh, new employees. So it's really evolved where we have to move quickly, respond quickly, um, and balance features versus ease of use. So it's really been an interesting time. Yeah, it sounds like it never ends. Um, and what what should we look out from Finastra for the for the end of the year? Like in terms of like what are your what are your goals in terms of product? Are you releasing new products? Are you sort of rolling out uh, or, or promoting existing ones? Like well, I guess give us a, a little bit of insight into product pipeline. Yeah, we have a really exciting pipeline, and with that rich set of assets that I talked about earlier, the core banking, the digital, and lending, we really can help our clients um, across the spectrum of their of their technology needs. And so, our opportunity is to bring those solutions together in a way that um, what I call kind of um, point solutions will require a lot of work to bring multiple providers together and integrate because we're a single provider of such a broad set of technology. Um, when we bring those solutions together and make it easy for the client uh, to implement the technology and manage the products, and we can create some really compelling borrower experiences, those end user experiences, whether it's an account opening for a deposit account, um, being able to see their mortgage transactions inside the digital banking environment, pre-filling data and having intelligence around all the data that we, that we uh, harness for our clients. We have a really exciting opportunity to leverage those products and bring them together for our clients to create some really unique user experiences. Steve, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. It was great. It was my pleasure.